Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Get Fresh with Jules and Jess, minus Jess, who's not here today. Uh, she could not make it today, but that is okay. We are joined today by our very special guest, Allie. Hi, Allie. Hi, how are you? Good. So, um, guys, today we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of us um, are wanting to get more information on and get more comfortable with, and that is listening to your body. Everybody always is telling you to do it, but what exactly does that mean? Um, and we're going to get pretty honest about intuitive eating and and what exactly that is. Um, We've met and talked before pretty generally about our school of thought on nutrition, and we got pretty in-depth on certain subjects, macronutrients, calorie deficit, binge eating, and knowing how to listen to your body. But I think sometimes when it comes to nutrition, um, and I know I've personally been here, it's like there's so much knowledge and so many theories and so many things to, to, to count that it can feel overwhelming, and you just say, you know what, screw it. Um, I'm hitting McDonald's. So we don't want you to do that. We want you to feel really comfortable um, and ready to make the best choices um, that are available to you. So what we've come to learn is the simplicity leads to success. So today we've grabbed Allie um, and she was um, previously on our podcast last time. So if you want to check it out, it's season one, episode three. Yes, we have seasons. Um, and now she's back. Um and we're going to just keep it short and simple and, um, and talk about what to do when it comes to listening to your body. So Allie, I'll let you go ahead and take it away. What, it, what is it? Just tell us what it is first. Well, thanks for having me again. I'm happy to be back and I love chatting with you guys and with Jules about all of this. Um, first, I want to just define what intuitive eating actually means And this is basically just throwing away all of the food rules and just eating a balanced, normal diet. It's not depriving yourself of a specific food or food group. Um, It also doesn't mean just, you know, utter chaos either. You're just simply honoring your hunger cues and giving your body the fuel that it needs. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, I also just want to remind people that A lot of us have completely lost touch with our natural body signals a long time ago, just from years of dieting. So your hunger and fullness cues might be a little bit off and that's okay. Intuitive eating isn't for everyone, but it's a really important practice that everyone can adapt, but maybe you're not there yet. Um, Mm -hmm. Also tracking calories, macros, that's not being a truly intuitive eater. Those Mm -hmm. practices definitely work. And I know to lose weight, a lot of people, that's kind of their safe zone. And a lot of people like to use those tools because it's working for them. But having an app tell you this is how many calories you need to eat, that's not truly listening to our body. So again, there's Mm -hmm. not one way that's right or wrong. But if intuitive eating is your goal and you just don't want to be so calorie focused and food isn't just consuming your day-to-day thoughts, then kind of weaning away from the calorie and macro tracking and just focusing on awareness building practices is really going to help you. So some of those are like eating a little bit slower or eating till you're 80% full. So you're satisfied, but um, no longer really hungry, but you're not stuffed or uncomfortable. 
So being a bit more mindful of those practices can really help you get in tuned of thinking about, okay, am I truly still hungry? Have I had time to digest or am I just bored or eating out of emotion? Mm -hmm. That's something, you know, you said your hunger cues might be off. That's huge because I think for me and Allie, you know, as someone who I would consult with when I first started, I was like, I'm so hungry. Like when I, I think in my opinion, I think the first, you know, six to eight weeks when you start um, a lifestyle change can be really challenging. Like, I think that's the most challenging time because it's like, you're not quite in a routine. It doesn't quite feel natural yet. And besides the fact that like, you're trying to figure out how to not be hungry all the time, and maybe you're not actually hungry, you know, you, you just don't know what you feel starving. And that is like the worst feeling. But I know for me, um, and I've talked about this before tracking for me is, is not my preferred method because what I start doing is I'm like, okay, it's eight o'clock. I'm going to go ahead and I'm very a type. Okay. I'm going to track all my food for the day. And, and then it's like, I'm thinking about what I'm eating for dinner at eight in the morning. And I, that wasn't a lifestyle that was for me. And obviously being prepared is, is one thing, but overthinking things and starting to track over track your food and overthink things that can cause some anxiety and things like that. So I just didn't. However, there's a huge asterisk on that because I, because I have the background that I have in with my relationship with food and with my relationship with dieting. And because I went on my first diet when I was, Oh, I don't know, eight, seven. I also understand portion size. I can basically eyeball things at this point, And I know what a tablespoon of a dressing is. And I know what a fourth of a cup of rice looks like. And I know what these things are. So I try to be really mindful when I'm eating about portion size as, at, you know, it's just something where, and this is where it gets so tough because, you know, we're all trying to get away from that diet culture, but and everybody's telling you, well, just listen to your body. Okay. Well, what if I crave a cookie every day? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard to know what listening to your body even looks like, and it can take people a long time. And just backtracking to what you said before, I love that you know yourself the best and you knew that if you tracked your food, it would just set you into that negative mindset and just something that consumes and takes up your whole day, constantly eating one meal, thinking about the next meal. Again, that's not being intuitive. And so if it's taking over way too much time, energy, creating some sort of anxiety, I think it's amazing that you were able to recognize that early and not feed into that cycle and do something that works for you. Because Different things work for different people. Um, but mm-hmm. just jumping into cravings right now, I want to first just talk about what does a craving mean and what does that cycle look like? So in terms of the cycle, first you get the urge, then you engage in the behavior. So you go and find whatever food that you're craving. And then the third step is the reward. So eating that food, it releases the dopamine and um, it gives this amazing sensation to your brain, which creates a stimulus to lead you to crave that 
time and time again. So the cravings just mm-hmm. stronger and you notice this cycle. Like I always eat ice cream at night and I'm in front of the TV and every single night I'm doing this and I can't break the cycle. So that's kind of just a basic explanation of what the craving cycle is. And it's not necessarily about eliminating a craving because I think that's wishful thinking and relying only on self-discipline. Yeah self-discipline can just lead to a binge because we all have cravings. Right. Some cravings are healthy. Sometimes we want a vegetable or some watermelon over summer to quench mm-hmm. our thirst. Um, but I think mm-hmm. we all associate cravings usually with a negative um a negative sense mm-hmm. and a negative food. So a really good exercise that I tell people to try is just a few weeks. You can write this in your phone or you can write this in your notes section um, or on a piece of paper. So step one would be finding what your trigger is. Is this the sight of something? Is it the smell, the taste of a food, a location? Each time you experience a craving, I want you to write down in detail in your notes, where were you? What were you doing? How did you feel? Who are you with? Just really get a good sense um, of what this pattern looks like and try to do this for two weeks. Once you recognize the pattern, step two is creating a change for that pattern. So you're recognizing a cycle. So let's figure out how you can react next time. So this sounds kind of funny, but first I want you to give your craving a timeout. Just sit with it for a second and, or a few minutes and just don't take action. Really just try to internalize and say like, okay, I'm in the same place. It's at the same time. Am I actually bored? Am I hungry, thirsty, tired? If you end up giving in, that's okay. But at least you took the time to actually recognize what the craving was and to decide at that point, okay, are you going to give into that craving or are you going to choose something else? It's not the decision of just depriving yourself or giving in. There's definitely a happy Mm -hmm. in between that maybe you were actually hungry, but after sitting with it, you thought, okay, an apple with peanut butter might be a little bit more satisfying than the pint of ice cream that I don't feel great the next morning with. Um, Mm -hmm. But another option is just choosing an activity that doesn't actually involve chewing. So if you're not really hungry, maybe it's just a psychological thing, not a physical thing. You could go on a walk with the dogs. You could pick up a book. You could watch something on TV, Mm -hmm. something that just takes your mind off of the thought of food. um, And that Mm -hmm. can really help. And again, not getting upset with ourselves. Sometimes we give into the craving and that's okay, but at least now we're creating this pattern of recognizing what it is and slowly mm-hmm. creating just a positive change or a different approach to when we have this sensation or feeling. Definitely. Personal anecdote here. I um and we hit on this a little bit in our nutrition seminar, but um this was maybe like a few months ago. And I was in therapy and I was just having a bad day. And I said, I'm annoyed because I just don't want to eat healthy. And like, that's the worst feeling in the world is when like, you don't want to eat healthy because at the end of the day, you have to want it. Um, Any, with anything you do, you have to want it. And whenever I get in these moods, which happen to me every once in a while of why I just don't want it. Um, I have to really dig deep. And, and we talked about kind of the emotional side of that. She was like, what's missing right now? Like, what is it? She, I was like, well, I have this cauliflower rice and something for dinner and I just don't want to eat it. She was like, okay, well, 
when you eat it, I want you to sit at the table with Chris tonight and eat dinner. And, you know, maybe normally you'd sit across from each other at the table. I want you to sit next to each other and maybe touch shoulders and maybe put your hand on his leg and just kind of add in those emotional like pieces that you're struggling with. Cause obviously Chris and I always have an issue with our schedules and don't get to spend a lot of time together. She was like, I just want to know like how that makes you feel and how, you know, I'm going to challenge you to eat the dinner you planned on having and, you know, don't order takeout tonight and, and see how you feel by listening to your emotions and not get it seeking comfort out of the food, because at the end of the day, that's what it is. Right. And so that was kind of a, a, a really strong exercise. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're relating, you're, you know, it's something that, um, I, I would recommend you trying cause it, it was really powerful for me. And it's definitely shifted my perspective since that day when I do have these cravings, it's like, okay, well maybe emotionally I'm craving something and I'm kind of, um, trying to manifest it through food, which as many of us listening to this podcast know is one of the most comforting things ever. So, um, just kind of re framing your mindset to reach for comfort in picking up the phone and calling a friend or, um, petting your dog, sitting on the floor and just petting your dog and not having your phone in your hand for 10 minutes and just, just playing and throwing their toy or, like Ali said, going on that walk or listen, sometimes Ali, I need to chomp on something and I'm not hungry, but I just need to chomp. So carrots are my go-to. I love carrots. So I can just like eat them anyway, but those, those are a great thing. I mean, they're so low in calorie that it's like, I, who cares if you want to mindlessly eat carrots for, you know, put them in a little baggie and take them upstairs with you. And then just one other thing that I just on a personal level that I, I do that I feel like helps a lot is um, this is a big one for the people working from home. I find myself when I'm sitting close to the kitchen, going, standing up, walking into the pantry, pulling the drawers out and staring down and going, hmm, what do we have? What do we have to eat here? I'm not hungry. I'm literally not hungry. I'm just like, it's just like this mindless thing that I do where I like open the fridge every 20 minutes and go, what do we have to eat? And then I'll close it and walk away. If I'm not making myself something, I'm likely not hungry. It's just this mindless thing. So I've had to start, I go and work in the room furthest away from the kitchen. When I get in those moods, I pour myself a big cup of water, take it with me. I'll even pop some gum in my mouth sometimes just to kind of distract me from, and kind of give me that little taste of something. Maybe I want a little taste of something. Gum is my go-to and I love chewing it regardless. And um, so that's just kind of a tip that has worked really well for me. But um, Ali, I kind of want to talk about like what I, this is a tough situation, right? Where we are so focused on talking about not restricting ourselves. But the reality is, is that making certain sacrifices and now restriction and sacrifices are very different in my, in my mind. Right. Yeah. So the way that I think of restriction is I can't have that. I won't have it. I want it, but I'm not going to, I've wanted it for two weeks, but I'm not going to, I'm going to have this piece of grilled chicken that I measured out. It's four ounces with no sauce and I'm going to hold my nose eating it and just, you know, whatever, just eat it. But what's the difference between 
that. And then I know that I shouldn't have this piece of bread at breakfast because for lunch today, I'm planning on going out to Mexican food and I want to enjoy myself there. Like that's to me, that's where the sacrifice comes in and that's where the balance comes in. But how do we, and especially those who do struggle with disordered eating, how do we find a balance between restriction and sacrifice, healthy sacrifice? Let's call it healthy sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, that's a really hard one because it's so dependent on the person and what their goals are. Um, But I think it's just really important to always remind yourself, like, what is that final goal? And I think this is taping us taking a step away from disordered eating, because that has a lot to do with emotions and other psychological things that I think need to be discussed with a therapist, with a close family member. And so I want to take a step away from that and just speak to um, the people that are focusing on weight loss or really having a set goal, because I think those categories are a bit different. But I think just really reminding yourself each day of like, what is my goal? You know, waking up in the morning, I know a lot of people are really into like the daily affirmations right now and telling yourself like, I am worthy, I am beautiful, like really reminding yourself of your self-worth and what your purpose is and just why you want to be healthy and not just for, you know, I want to fit into the size eight jeans this month, but you know, the importance of being healthy just from a health perspective of living longer and being able to walk to and from the grocery store with your five pound, you know, milk and sweet potatoes in your arm, walking up the stairs when your Mm -hmm. elevator is broken and not being completely out of breath, like the different day-to-day things that you know are going to pay off so much when you lose that extra bit of weight or when you reach that goal, really reminding yourself of those things and, constantly having those in mind or just kind of looking back on your journey. Like I love how you Julie document your journey this whole time and can reflect and just see where you've come. And again, kind of back to the cravings, maybe sometimes you do choose to have the few slices of bread and go to Mexican food. But if you think back to the beginning, like maybe you had four slices and had Mexican food out every single day, you know, just remembering where did you come from? And how many changes and sacrifices you've made so far, but to also be kind to yourself because sometimes we've had one of those weeks and we just need to remember this is a journey. This isn't just a one day I eat healthy and I lose 20 pounds. Like I remind people one salad doesn't make you healthy and one pizza doesn't make you unhealthy, you know, so it can go Uh. on but one salad doesn't make you healthy though. That's I wish, right? But it can go on either side <laughs> of the spectrum. So not feeling like you're, you know, this health queen when we eat one salad a week, but also not feeling so guilty if you order in and just have like a few slices of pizza one night a week either. So it's all about creating okay. this overall balance for the week. A lot of people you'll hear this 80-20 rule, 80% of the time we're really eating food that supports whatever the goal is. So if the goal is weight loss, then we're eating really nourishing whole foods, getting in our fruits and veggies, eating enough protein 80% of the time. But our mental health is important too. And mentally, sometimes we need that little treat just to really continue on the journey and not feel like, 
this whole time I'm on this journey, I'm deprived the whole time and nothing ever seems fun. Like I like to encourage people to create healthy swaps. So take your favorite cookie recipe, maybe switch Mm -hmm. the flour for an almond flour, switch out the sugar for, you know, the swerve, lower glycemic type of sugar. Is it the real thing? No. Mm-hmm. But can you eat four without feeling bad about it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, and I wouldn't even say I feeling bad about it, but can you eat four without your body feeling yes, bad? Exactly. Yes. That's a big difference. And that actually is a perfect lead in because what I wanted to touch on next is really using how you're feeling after eating certain foods as your motivation to maybe stay away from them. Right. I mean, it's just facts that like lots of sugar and lots of just foods, there's no such thing as a good or bad food. Right. I mean, every food serves its purpose, but there are certain foods that make us feel certain ways. And so we talked about this also in the therapy seminar, doing a food journal And just logging, not calories, not macros, none of that, but just logging how you felt after eating those foods. And I know for sure. So listen, this is, there's no secret in this. I love eating food that's bad for, for my body. Like I, and, and for me on my personal journey as somebody who is insulin resistant, I mean, yeah, I would love to be the person that's like, yeah, you know, don't cut out the carbs, whatever. Like, I'm not going to tell every single person Oh yeah, you need to cut out carbs because that's how I did it. No, my body, my doctor said that I had to do this. I still eat very intuitively, but I am mindful of the types of carbs that I'm grabbing when I'm grabbing them. And thanks to Allie, I have started adding more carbs back into my diet, but I do reach for the brown rice. And then, you know, when you go to the poke poke bowl place, they put about two cups of rice in your bowl. And I, I literally asked them, I'm like, do you mind scooping three fourths of that back in and putting some lettuce in there for me. So I do that because I know that I'm going to feel a certain way if I eat those foods. And believe me, I can go to any Italian restaurant and I can throw down on some garlic rolls. And if they're the type that have the like oil and the chunks of garlic and Parmesan cheese on them, even better. And I'll eat no lie. If I could eat like eight of them and then get my pasta dish that I ordered my fettuccine Alfredo with, um, instead of fettuccine noodles, you know, I got to sub them for the linguine and I will eat literally the entire bowl of pasta and then probably still order dessert because I just love eating those foods. Like I love the way the taste is. I love it, but here's the kicker. I'm exhausted after I eat it. I feel like crap. I go to most of the time I go to my workout. Sometimes I've had it where, and I've reached out to Allie. I'm like, Oh, what just happened? I ate candy last night and I feel great for my workout today. But like, that's like kind of an unusual thing. Most of the time I'm like really sluggish. I like, it's not even about the scale. Like, of course the scale is going to be up, but like, I can see it in my whole body. I can see it in my hands. I can see it in my face, just everywhere. And I just don't feel good. And so if you've never done like a journal to reflect on kind of how food is making you feel, I really encourage you to do that because it is so eye opening. And it's like, man, this stinks. Like I love eating this type of food. And I'm not going to sit here and say I won't ever do that. But when I do it, it looks a lot different than it used to. It's 
a very, you know, hey, Chris, can we share this pasta and I'll get a salad as my meal. And it's just very, the, the portions look a lot different than they used to, which affects how I feel. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, I mean, I think it's really great that you talked about it's different for everyone's body like as you use yourself as an example insulin resistance people with PCOS you obviously react to carbohydrates a lot differently than other people will and for any clients Mm -hmm. that are getting a lot of bloating digestion issues have um, insulin resistance PCOS or getting unusual reactions from food. I love doing food logs that again, does not focus on the calories, but really focuses on how your body reacts because everyone is so different. You can get on here and say, drop the carbs. It worked for me. But as you mentioned, that's not going to work for everybody. Um, For me, I found that dairy was such a big trigger for my stomach issues, my skin reactions, again, totally separate from calories, but I ended up cutting out dairy about six years ago when I really connected that to all of my stomach problems. So I think everyone's completely different. I know some clients can't digest high levels of fiber. So we really have to be mindful of what types of vegetables we incorporate into their diet, how many veggies for each meal. Some people might have issues with beans, again, having to do with that fiber component. Gluten is a bad one for people. Sometimes carbohydrates we react stronger to. Dairy is a really big trigger, especially if you have skin issues. So different people um, have different reactions, different things. So I love being able to track it. And Mm -hmm. you can typically see a pattern um, usually 30 minutes after you eat a certain food. So just going back into that food log and really tracking like, okay, these are the days that I had the stomach issues, bloating, gas, indigestion, and this is the commonality in those foods and really kind of doing a self-assessment and self-evaluation of, okay, what if I tried one week without these foods and how do I feel? Do I get bloated anymore? Do I have any of these issues? And a little bit of bloating is totally normal. We all experience some bloating after we eat a food, but Mm -hmm. if you're experiencing severe distended stomach where your stomach is really, really bloated and almost like a hardening feeling. It's really painful, like a very uncomfortable, potentially one to two trimester pregnancy bloat. That is not normal. Mm -hmm. And that is very Mm -hmm. much linked to a food intolerance allergy or something else that's going on that you really just can't digest the food properly. So that's something that I would red flag and really be mindful of when deciding what kind of nutrition path to take moving forward. Definitely. One of the things I talk about in my, um, my one-on-ones for those of you who've already had one, you know, this, um, you know, obviously I'm just there to support you and the conversation kind of heads wherever you need it to go. But what's come up a lot and I'm what, you know, is just talking through what your plan of action is your plan of action with your daily habits, with how you're going to choose which lifestyle to, to eat, if you're going to do macro counting or calorie counting, or if you're planning on cutting something out. And what I've heard numerous times, and I have to kind of like ask them to pump the brakes, take a step back and really look at it is this is just an example. This didn't actually happen. I um, am somebody that drinks four sodas a day and seven days a week. And I 
want to cut, I want to cut out soda because I know it's bad for me. So I'm just going to cut it out. And I'm like, okay, um, totally hear you. I think that's a great goal to have. I think, you know, but I think if soda is clearly something that you really love to have, then why are we cutting it out completely? When I feel like you can fit it into what you're doing. So instead of going, Hey, I'm drinking four sodas a day and going, I'm going to just stop. I have to ask people, why just stop completely? Why not over time, make it a goal to cut it out completely, but wean yourself off of it. Why does it have to be this cold Turkey restrictive thing where it's like, I'm going to go from having a ton of this thing to absolutely none. So if you're drinking four sodas a day, seven days a week, why don't you start doing two sodas a day, five days a week. And then the next week do one soda a day, three times a week. And then, you know, whatever feels good for you to do and feels like you're hardly noticing that you're not drinking as much of it, but you're slowly getting yourself off of it. And I mean, that's just with anything. Hey, Jules, I eat cake every single night. I love cake. Okay, well, let's, um, oh, I love cake, but I also am going to cut it out completely. Like that's the thing that I hear and I'm like, you're going to cut it out completely. Well, can we find a swap for it? Can we, what can we do to make sure that you're still getting this food that you love to eat? Because it is, that's important to me when I'm talking to people is that they're still, you know, able to enjoy the foods that they enjoy. And I know that that's kind of like, um, everybody has like a different, um, way of thinking about this particular thing. But I just, my biggest priority is that you're choosing to do something that is sustainable and that is going to give you success in the long run, right? I'm sure your doctor, if you went to your doctor and said, I drink four sodas a day, your doctor's probably gonna go, okay, you need to cut a soda out, right? But I'm talking just like implementing, being successful and getting a plan in place that's gonna be something that you can, can, can succeed at that is sustainable and that will not cause a binge down the road of this thing. Cause you hundred percent. What's your take on it? I love that you said that. And I think that's the best approach. And I actually want to remind you of the swap of that. So cutting something out, I think that's amazing. And I encourage clients to do it that way because a lot of us don't have this all or nothing mentality. And if we do, we go, okay, I drink four sodas a day. I'm all or nothing. I'm completely cutting it out. We do great for two weeks. We have one soda and we're like, oh, well screw it. I'm already back. Like I had one soda. So, okay, now I'm all in again, back to four sodas a day. So I love the behavior mm-hmm. change behind that and just going from, okay, four a day, I'm going to go down to three a day this week. If I do that for the whole week, check, 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 mm-hmm. I'm going to go down to two a day. So I really like that. Then on the flip side, mm-hmm. I also do that with people to create positive habit change. So let's say I don't eat any vegetables. Okay. My goal for you this week, I want you to incorporate one vegetable at dinner every single day. The recommendation, the RDA government recommendation is four servings of veggies a day, but we're not going to go from zero to four veggies a day. So let's do the opposite. Let's just slowly build one a day every single time for dinner. We do that. Amazing. Now we're going to add next week, one for lunch and one for dinner. Cool. We do that. Maybe every other day we try to add a veggie for a snack. So some carrots and hummus. We slowly build in the good habits and we also slowly wean out the bad habits at the same time. 
So mm-hmm. it's not all or nothing. Yeah, a lot I love of times that. It just doesn't work and you feel very defeated. So if I tell you, again, with the vegetable example, you need three veggies every single day and we only do it one out of the five days a week, you feel really defeated and you don't feel like you've made any progress in the right direction of encouraging that habit change. So we just make things that are small but really, really make a difference and build on top of each other over time. So I think that's a great way to take something out as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's how our content is even kind of modeled. It's modeled to kind of build. So you start doing this, you start doing it every single day, and then we add something else. Then you start doing that thing every single day, and we add something else. And then suddenly you've made all these really great, huge changes, and it doesn't feel like you have because it's been so gradual. And that's why we talked about this past week and all or nothing mindset. It doesn't have to be. And I, the reason we talked about that is because it was important to me to talk about because I'm like textbook, somebody who has an all or nothing mindset. Um, my baseline is, is all or nothing. I have to work really hard every single day to not be that person. When I hurt my foot, what did I do? I stopped working out. What did my doctor tell me? Well, you can work out, but you can't do this, this, and this. And I, what did I hear? I heard, well, I can't do this and this, and those are like my favorite things to do. So I'm just not going to work out. No. So I took me about a week to get there, but I was like, I am itching to get back into the gym. And so the past, it's now two days in a row I've been, and guess what? I'm okay. My foot feels okay. I'm doing modifications to not aggravate it, but I'm moving my body again. And my body needed that. So it's just a matter of, yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah. I told myself I was going to do cardio twice a week and I can't do, I can't get on the treadmill right now, but what I can do is go to burn and, and do modified movement of some sort and I'm still breaking a hard sweat. That's awesome. I want you to think about right um, now, like what if you hurt your foot a year ago when you were in the beginning of your journey, would you have just stopped and delayed it and waited? mm -hmm. Like, I think that's another thing that we just need to recognize our progress over time and think back to the girl that had only lost maybe five or 10 pounds. And she was in the very beginning. If you would have hurt your foot then, like, Again, with this all or nothing mentality, you probably would have been like, you know what, whatever. I'm just going to wait to restart the journey another time. Like, progress. I did. That literally happened. No, it's true. I started in a January and I got in a car accident in February and I stopped and I gained all that weight, but back plus 20 more pounds and then had to restart into September. So yeah, I mean, I was that person. And I think that when you, I think this is a very common feeling Like, I I don't think I'm alone in being like that. And I mean, even some of the conversations I've had with the girls, well, I am planning on starting, but I'm going to this appointment. I kind of want to see what they say. Okay, but you can still make good choices leading up to that. So, you you know, at the end of the day, this is what I remind everybody. and, And this is kind of a grounding exercise of like, you know what to do. At the end of the day, you know what you need to do to feel good, to, to just get your mojo back. It's just a matter of pushing through and not overthinking, keeping it simple and just doing it. And if you have to take it day by day, I have to take it day by day. I will forever have to take it day by day because this does not come naturally to me. For some people, I will you know, and Allie knows she works in a gym. Some people, oh, I love working out. And really actually Allie is probably this person, but like, oh, I love working out. Oh, I just did a quick run only five miles. Like, no, like that will never come naturally to me. It just will never. No one in my family is that way. Like 
I have to work really hard at it. And I have to put my intentions forward every single day to get there. So just know that if you're like that and you're, you're like me and you're one of those people, like if that's not a death sentence, like we can still reach our goals. It just might take us a little bit longer. And that's an especially reminder for anybody with PCOS or insulin resistance who is listening to this. It is going to take us longer to lose weight than it is going to take somebody else. Don't let anybody tell, tell you that you're not doing it right. Don't let anybody ask you, well, well, what, I mean, I don't understand. You've been on a journey for two years. Why are you not at your goal weight? Don't let anybody do that to you. This is your journey. This is the most personal thing that anybody can go through. And don't let anybody look at a coworker, look at your food and go, I thought you were on a weight loss journey. Mind your business, honey. I'm going to eat what I want to eat because you know what? I enjoy eating it. And if it takes me five years to hit my goal weight, then so be it. But I am a better person for it. And I have healthy habits. I'm doing it the right way. It's sustainable. I'm losing one to two pounds a week. Maybe you're losing two pounds a month. I don't care. That's great. Or maybe you're maintaining. Maybe you're not losing weight right now. That's still an accomplishment. As someone who can gain 10 pounds in a matter of a week, maintaining is always an accomplishment. So don't forget that either. Um, Allie, I kind of want to close it off today with just like a quick little like... Um, just a quick advice, like a quick, like little tidbit that someone would remember in the back of their head. Um, I'm going to say, and this really does actually go off of what you were just saying, do what works for you. Like you said, different things work for different Mm -hmm. people and there's no rule book textbook. You have to do this to lose weight. If of course we've heard cardio helps you burn more calories If you don't like cardio, if your knees hurt, if you don't want to run, that is not the only form of exercise. You can throw on a Zumba dance class and I swear your heart rate's going to be going through the roof and you'll be sweating by the end of those 45 minute dance cardio classes. Not everything, like whatever Bob's doing next door and he's losing weight, you don't have to do this exact same thing. We're very in tune with our bodies and you know over time with this journey what is going to be beneficial for you and what sets you back. We might not have it all figured out, but I think we know that, you know, after our olive garden, whatever, like it was great in the moment, but we know that that does set us back if that's Mm -hmm. a constant you know, weekly occurrence over time. So Mm -hmm. I think we need to find what's best for us. Mm -hmm. I love mixing running and I love strength training. That's what works for me, but maybe that doesn't work for other people and that's totally fine. So we need to eat, we need to move Mm -hmm. and we need to follow people that support our journey and are on the same path. So then we feel inspired and we're doing what is the best for our body and our mindset. I love that. That's totally perfect. And just an additional reminder that at the end of the day, we recognize that everyone is so unique. Um, Challenge yourself to change your way of thinking, not just in that moment, but after, Um, you know, we might not be speaking to every single one of you and at every single point of this podcast, but overall, if you can listen to it, you can take a couple things with you um, and implement them into your life. Then, then that's a win. That's a huge win. So just friendly reminder, you got this, you can do it. If you feel like I'm, oh gosh, she's speaking to me. Yeah, I'm ta- I'm speaking to you, girl. You can do it. Just don't overthink it. Keep it simple, stupid. 
That's my favorite thing because I am the queen of not keeping it simple sometimes. So I have to ground myself there too. Um, Allie, thank you so much for coming on today. This was really informative. Um, I think people are going to really enjoy this one. And um, we will Thanks talk to you guys Thanks for having me. Soon. Bye, guys.